Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of the Churchology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Holmes, and I hope you're doing well. Wherever you are listening to this, thank you for listening. It just is so great to have you listening, and I'd love to connect with you. So right here at the front, we normally say this to the end, but let's do it at the front today. Let's flip things up. And listen, if you're on social media, we'd love to connect with you. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So follow us, hit us up, say hi, let us know what you think about um, our episodes, today's episode, anything that stands out to you, your favorite. We just love to get to know you. Today on the show, we're talking to Donnie Griggs. Donnie is the lead pastor and planter of One Harbor Church in Moorhead City, North Carolina. He's an author, wrote the book Small Town Jesus. He also serves on the Global and North America Leadership Team for Advance. Advance is a global movement that exists to plant and strengthen churches. We wanted to talk to Donnie because so many people are talking about the challenges that pastors are facing. We had a great interview a couple of episodes, I believe it was two episodes ago, with local pastors, Travis uh, Davenport, Danny Donato from Ohio and uh, Illinois. But I wanted to talk to a, a rural pastor, a small town pastor, and uh, there's nobody better to go to than the guy that wrote Small Town Jesus, Donnie Griggs. And so uh, it was just awesome to talk to Donnie. He shares a lot of great insight, encouragement. And so if you are a church leader in a small town in a rural area, hey, listen, uh, so am I. And uh, so is Donnie. I'd love to get to know you. Hit us up on social media. Let us know what you thought about today's interview. Let's get right to it. Donnie Griggs on the Churchology Podcast. All right. Well, today on the show, we are excited to have Donnie Griggs with us today. Donnie, how are you? I'm doing okay, man. A little tired, but I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie, it's so good to... uh, talk to you. And uh, Donnie, so much of your work focuses on small towns and you've written the book, Small Town Jesus. I'd love to hear a little bit of your, uh, a little bit of your story. Just introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm leading a church that my wife and I started 12 years ago in a little living room um, in my hometown. And uh, it's a small town in coastal North Carolina. Um, There's a book about our town and my mom as a little girl, my granddad on the cover. And so this is very much my town, very much my community. Um, but I, at, when I was graduated high school, I, I moved away for about 10 years, did a bunch of mission trips overseas, um, discovered church planning and really felt like I was going to end up in, I think like most people did, certainly that, in that, you know, sort of time period, um, you know, late 2000s, I just assumed I was going to some big city somewhere in the world. And so was really, you know, engaged on that thinking and, and, you know, already thinking through where I'd go and all the rest. And then on a random trip back here um, to my hometown, um, my wife and I just, yeah, I ran into a bunch of my friends um, from, from growing up and they were, yeah, a lot of them were in a really hard, sad, dark place. Um, and, um, and so God just broke our heart. And a few months later, we found ourselves here uh, we didn't have any money. I think uh, we had we got given eight hundred dollars to go plant a church. Um, flipped our car on the way out here, so we didn't have a car, um, and uh, just showed up with nothing um, on a Friday night and started in the living room on a Sunday morning. And um, and so yeah, twelve years later, uh, our church now has, has got four locations. It's four kind of small towns around our area, and um, yeah, very involved in the community. The reason I'm tired, I, I, I'm a chaplain for kind of our area too, and I got called out um, 
911 center called me last night. There was a individual who wanted to go get some help, uh, bad off on heroin. And so it's been a long night, but that's, that's kind of par for the course for a lot of us in small towns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What has that been like planting a, uh, planting your church in your hometown? Has huh. it, what's that been like? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think it's got some real ups and some real downs, you know, I think, um, so, I mean, small towns can tend to be really hostile towards outsiders. Um, and so I think being indigenous is a huge advantage in that way because mm. I know all these people. And if I don't know them, I know their mom, their dad or their cousin or somebody. Um, I feel like I already like I feel like I know the culture. Um, I speak the language. Um, I mean, the humor, everything, like all those kind of like colloquialisms and all that stuff that, you know, you take for granted growing up in a small town. And we have seen how people from other places come in and it's a real adjustment, especially if they're coming in from a suburban or an urban area. Um, it can be really tough, you know, to, to, to understand culture. It can take a long time to be trusted by the community takes forever feels like. And so I think it's a huge advantage and I'm a huge proponent of guys going back and doing ministry in their hometowns. I mean, I've written for that, I've written on that stuff for, you know, for, TGC and into other publications. And I've, I've coached a lot of guys who've done that. Um, there are challenges. And that is that you can get that, like some of that, like animosity that like, you know, you, you see like with Jesus's small town, like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, we know who his dad, you know, is and who you know, that whole, like um, you're sort of like past can haunt you. Um, it's easy to dismiss you as just being, you know, this kid, everybody knew growing up. I mean, that stuff does happen. And I think the biggest challenge um, that I would say is that when people leave, it can hurt really bad um, because they're not just, you know, I, I remember hearing guys say to me, you know, like I'd go to church planting conferences and, you know, people would talk about how like when people leave your church, you know, oh, it's just kind of like, you know, it just happens and they just talk very nonchalant about it. I'm like, yeah, but like, what if you went to scouts? with those people like what if you like what if that's like where you did sleepovers all growing up like you know that, that, that you know it's just hard to express how like how much it hurts when you've got decades of relationship there and um so yeah it's got ups and downs i think the, the pros outweigh the cons but yeah 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 we planted our church um in the church where in the town rather where i'm from 10 years ago uh in hazard kentucky and so, uh, so, so small town, I, I get it, man. I would love to hear, uh, it is hard. It is hard. You get attached to people and you've had these relationships before even you started your church. I would love to hear, how do you cope with that? What are some ways that you kind of walk through that? Yeah, I, I think I didn't do so well originally. Mm. I was arrogant. I didn't think if I was ever going to leave. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, but what you don't have the ability to do is get away from each other. You know, they, they don't want to be around you either. You know, <laughs> you only got one Walmart, you know, like, um, and so I, I, I just, nobody, I mean, that was the thing, like, because there wasn't like this, like, there wasn't a lot, lot of resources, you know, when I planted yeah. um, into this small town for urban or for like rural small town stuff. And so, and I just, you know, I just, I wasn't prepared for that. Like, okay, now they've left church on Sunday, but you're going to see them probably Monday, Thursday, Friday, you know, so you'll see them, you know, you guys will see each other. And I just, you know, I was just immature and um, I got really hurt. Um, and, and I don't think it's like wrong to be hurt, 
I think that's just a natural thing. I think if you love people and you're doing church right, it's going to hurt when things go a different way. You know, I think that's a good sign. I don't want to be calloused about people leaving, but I do think I was immature in a lot of ways. I think, um, you know, I did, I did what you do when you feel, um, when you feel hurt or betrayed, you kind of, you know, you, you play the victim and, and all the rest. And I, I did some of that. I mean, just being candidly honest. And um, I, I think I, what I've learned through the years is, you know, not, not to do that and to um, just be as kind and gracious as I can be when people leave for even reasons that I don't, I don't really understand or do things I really don't understand. I try to be as kind and gracious as I can. Um, I try to engage, I, I intentionally engage them when I see them in public, which is all the time. And I'll tell you something, Mark, I, nobody told me this, but if you stick around long enough, um, sometimes those people come back hmm. and I did not realize that was a thing. And, uh, I was actually with, we were had a couple over last night, um, that, that the guys on the track to be an elder in our church and, and they had really been hurt and offended. And we had tried very hard to help them. And I think we could have done a lot of things better. But they left and they were like one of those families that when they left, they just left a huge hole in the church and in your heart. And um, and then several years later, they showed back up on a Sunday. I mean, I was like mm -hmm. overcome with emotion. Um, and and now the guys, you know, on track to become an elder um, here. I just didn't know that was possible either. And I think if you know that, if you know that, you know, one, whether they come back or not, you can be kind and gracious. You can sort of play that like you can take the higher road as you see them in community and all the rest. But then too, there's a possibility those people might end up back in your church. And um, so, yeah, I don't know, that's, that's kind of how I've tried to handle it. That's a strong, that's a strong word. Can you give us a sense of, of uh, the size of your town? So what's the population? Yeah. Well, that, and that's, that's a good question too. So when we say small towns, what I've found in the last several years since I wrote the book is everyone's, it's like different than in a city where we're all competing about who's got the biggest city and the best restaurants in a small town. We're competing about whose town is the smallest. And so, I mean, our town is 9,000. And some people go, oh, my gosh, that's not a small town. You might as well be Manhattan. And some people are like, oh, well, my, my small town is 40,000 people or whatever. Yeah. So um, we are we are kind of the, the, the larger town um, in our area. We're surrounded by a bunch of little islands and stuff um, like coastal North Carolina. Okay. So um, we we work into a bunch of communities that are like, you know, I've, there's a there's an island here called Davis. It's got a, it's a couple hundred people living on it, and everybody I know from Davis, their last name is Davis. And there's a guy <laughs> in our church who's a leader who goes by Davis Davis from Davis. So I would <laughs> tell great. people, I think that gives me some small town credibility. Um, I mean, yeah. So we are um, we're a tourist destination. Um, so we you know small towns kind of like I guess Lake, Lake of the Ozarks or. And Aspen. These are towns you know about, but they're really small towns. But certain times of the year, they just explode. Um, that's what happens to us in the summer. Everybody comes here, and it's good for our economy. But yeah, yeah. And one of the things you know, <clears throat> obviously, you hear a lot of talk this past year. You know, with all the challenges pastors face, COVID, and just everything that's happened. What what have been just some of the particular challenges that you mm. walked through uh, mm. that that you that you uh, found challenging? Yeah, man. I think. Um, I mean, it was tough for everybody, you know, I think if I was in an urban setting, I would, I would have my own, like, I would, I would be saying it was just as hard. I'd be saying it maybe from a different angle. I think I imagine that a lot of us in small towns felt the, like the political, the political side of things um, more. 
um, mm-hmm. than, than folks in, you know, urban centers where, you know, it was more straightforward, um, you know, bigger numbers of outbreaks and all the rest. I mean, I think, you know, I think it was very hard. We've tried to walk a line, you know, through the years of, I mean, a lot of times churches in rural America are basically like, hey, on Sunday, you're going to hear what you could have heard on Fox News, you know, like last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen some of that, you know, like growing up and being in small towns and all the rest. And we've tried to like, you know, not do that. We've tried to hold out Jesus every week. And, and, and but it just felt like no matter what we did, it was going to come across as political some way or another and that it was going to really offend you know one one you know one major group of the church or another and that was really hard it's like Hmm. you take a side like we had to go online for five months and had to figure out what live stream was and had to wonder where all these people in our church were and like take aside all that just to like knowing that like whatever decision you made um you felt like was going to be wrong and and, and nothing, no amount of like face-to-face conversations was going to seem to like, you know, um, help people who were just convinced that you were on some political agenda. I mean, I, I, I remember the first Sunday we were able to meet back in person, and it was only because a federal judge in North Carolina made it where churches could meet back in person. So we did so, but we did so with masks and, you know, people spreading out. I mean, we got a tiny little hospital here. I mean, our church could have likely overwhelmed the healthcare system in one week. I mean, that, that didn't feel like a very missional thing to do. And so we were trying to do our best, but I, I was excited. I was like, man, this is great. You know, we finally meet after five months and Kai jumped on Facebook and was like from our church and said, I was part of a liberal conspiracy to destroy America. And people started piling in going, yeah. And I was like, geez, <laughs> I just didn't see that coming, you know? And so I think that like that grind of like, and then you're seeing that you're having everywhere I went, in town for all this time, every single place I went for the last 14 months, every grocery store, everything, every time somebody would come up and say, Hey, we're ready for those masks to be done on Sundays. Then we'll come back. When are you going to take away those masks? Like it's just a grind. And then added to that, Mark, I mean, it's not like people stop sinning and marriages stop falling apart. (laughs) People stop getting cancer and kids Hmm. stop dying. I mean, we had the most brutal pastoral year I've ever, like I've ever encountered. Hmm. And in this like season where we're all just, it's not, I bet there's a lot of us, you know, listening to this who probably have similar stories. You just feel like, you know, now there's this pressure to do something new and plan something new and start something new. And I'm, I'm hearing about like denominations going, what's next? And let's plan and let's do it. And I reckon a bunch of us are just daggone exhausted. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And so you were closed for five months. Yeah. And um, I'm to a camera, yeah, everything online, mm-hmm. you know, made tons of phone calls to, you know, all the folks in our church and tried to try to just do what we could. But, yeah, couldn't meet in person for five months. Where where are where are the restrictions? I know in Kentucky in a couple of weeks, I think in two, actually, all of the restrictions will basically go away. Mm. Uh, where where's North Carolina with that? Yeah. So uh, a few weeks ago, um it was changed where um, you didn't have to wear a mask if you were fully vaccinated in public. Um, and in a lot of like, that was indoor spaces as well. And they changed the indoor capacity uh, on a lot of like event spaces, made it a lot bigger. Um, so, I mean, again, 
because of what that federal judge did last summer, we could have been meeting without mask and everybody sitting on top of each other ever since then. And, you know, you know, maybe there'll be a section in heaven where everyone, you know, mocks those of us who, who still spread out, put mask on. I mean, we're just doing, you know, you're just doing the best you can, you know, everybody's doing the best they can. Um, but so we could have officially based on that, done whatever we wanted, you know, I, I guess since last summer, but um, we've tried to like be a little bit more conservative, just the, the size of our hospital. And, and really we've spent, a, I guess that's a point is that I've taken a lot of my cues from our local healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you can talk all day about what the CDC says or what this news channel says. I don't know what to believe on all that. I'm not some scientist. I'm not some doctor, but I do have a working relationship with our local healthcare, you know, our, our doctors, ER staff, um, and first responders. We spent a, I mean, every decision we made, we ran through them. And I wanted to, I wanted to feel like we were doing good by them. You know, they're the ones who are going to bear the brunt if we, you know, take a different route. And so um, rightfully and wrongfully, but I think now to answer your question, you know, more and more, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you can do whatever you want. And so we are still having a socially distant section in our, um, in a, um, in, in each of our, our locations, there's a socially distant section where you have to wear a mask and spread out. And we, um, and, and I think probably, what, you know, one of the things we're, we're really trying to do is keep, um, keep an attitude of kindness towards those who are still wearing masks. I, I mean, I'm sure you're finding this, but if you're still wearing one by now, you know, it's not, sim- it's not really that simple. It's not like, oh, you're a, a lib or a dim or whatever, you know, that, that sort of language is, I mean, we're seeing, it's like, well, actually my daughter's got this autoimmune, you know, issue, or my mom just found out she has cancer or, I mean, there's like real issues. I mean, we, you know, someone lost their spouse to COVID and they just, they just can't seem to take that mask off yet. They're just, there's just trauma there. Um, and so, um, we've tried to model kindness. So all of our staff and our elders and our volunteers will have a mask in our pocket. And if someone's wearing a mask, we'll put it on before we engage them. And we've asked people in our church to do the same, not just at, at church, but in the community, like, guys, let's, let's go out of our way to be kind, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. As you, so you've been obviously back having in-person services for a while. I know when a lot of people were in the online only phase, there was this idea that once we open back up, there's just going to be a rush back. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem to be the majority of the case for most people that you hear you talk to. Yeah. And so here we are, you know, seemingly on getting close to at least hopefully on the other side of it. Yeah. How has that been like for you? Have you seen more and more people come back? And yeah, what's your what's your thinking there? How are you trying to navigate uh, that? You know, people that maybe used to come and you don't don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. All right. So I, 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 I'd love to hear if you, if you've kind of engaged with other small town rural guys who are seeing still like a lot of people at home, like mm-hmm. watching or something online, we could, we just, that dropped off significant for us. I mean, it was like really the numbers of people watching were like a fraction of what, what, what used to be in attendance. I mean, and I, I, you know, we've tried through the years too to like incorporate video, you know, and I've just found it to be a real struggle. You know, it just mm-hmm. doesn't seem to take that naturally, at least in our small town rural context. And I, I know a lot of guys, it's the same. And I know guys who, who've had the opposite experience, you know, they've had, you know, um, but we have just struggled here with getting people to watch something from home. And so I think people went like a year or more without, without, watching anything without doing anything, mm-hmm. 
which is that's his own separate issue, right? That we can yeah. talk about in a second. But we have definitely started seeing people come back every Sunday. There are people coming back who are like, I haven't seen in 14, 15 months. Um, and so, and I think we grew in, in, in over COVID as well, which is kind of an interesting dynamic. There were people who joined us, who found us in the middle of like, you had to show up and sit six feet apart and wear a mask. And what a terrible time to join a church. And, and it happened. Um, and so we're, we're, you know, we're in that dynamic. We're starting to see some people, starting to see some people come back. Not definitely not everyone, but we're definitely seeing more and more each week. So I imagine that'll, that'll, you know, that'll um, continue. Um, and you said something a second ago that I think is really interesting. It's like the engagement, what, you know, what's the engagement like with folks who haven't been around for 14 months and what if those people were leaders, hmm. you know, and, yeah. and um, that is a, that's going to be what we, what I'm nervous of is creating a bit of a class system, you know, within the, within the church. Um, I mean, you look at like Ephesus and Corinth. I mean, the way that like they fought for a, a kind of unity that was just different in the world. I mean, I think we need that more than ever. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really leaning and trying hard to like help us avoid that. Um, and I even, I'm just being candid. I mean, I'm guessing it's leaders listening to this. I've been thinking a lot about the the parable of the um, of the prodigal son, and you know when that when that kid comes back, the dad doesn't go, well, okay, so you're back. I guess you're back now because you you need some money, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would imagine, like the attitude of being, well, I guess I guess you're back now since you don't have to wear a mask, you know. Um, I just think, man, no nobody could have nobody was prepared for what we all just went through, and so I think we've got to find ways to like extend as much grace and kindness to each other as possible as we all come out of this, you know? Hmm. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. that's a good word. As you talk to um, other small town leaders in different parts of the country or the world, what are some of the challenges that they're, that they're talking about that they've, that they're facing right now? Yeah. I think probably the biggest thing a lot of us are facing is just this at least on in the American front, but not, not even really in the American front. I think you know, I, a lot of my guys, you know, that I, I work with in the UK are experiencing the same thing, but, you know, COVID really wasn't the big story. It was the political hmm. stuff. That was the big story. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, in our country, it was what happened with, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, and Antifa and Proud Boys and QAnon. And hmm. that's the big story, you know, yeah. um, I mean, really, if it had just been COVID, gosh, that would have been a lot easier. You know, if it had just been straightforward, it's a health crisis. Let's all do our best here. But that's not what it was, you know. And um, it was that tsunami of like just impossible situations to navigate. And so I do think, like I said earlier, I think all of us feel really exhausted. And then I think there's probably some fair, like a fair amount of paranoia. Hmm. You know, like I think we can see, a lot of us can see that politics on either side has taken too much of a seat in the hearts of a lot of the people that we love and care about in our church. Um, and I, I mean, it was a perfect storm for that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're stuck at home. You've got nothing to do but be online or watch cable news for hours and hours and hours. You're isolated. Um, and there's all these things that make you afraid or worried or whatever. So I can definitely see how it happens. But I think that's probably like the, 
one of the common threads I find like talking to small town guys is the sense in which we want to figure out how can we be a like a I use this word like a prophetic voice like how can we how can we like speak the like the, that cutting sort of like truth of, of the gospel into this moment but in a way where we don't like everyone doesn't just like I mean if possible how do we do that without everyone tuning us out you know and like mm. you know I mean I, I've literally had guys going like man I, I want to say something I don't want to lose my job you know and so I think we all feel like a burden like gosh guys I think we could all admit here that somehow, some way, this stuff became too important if we really say Jesus is what matters most, you know, and, but how do you, how do you, how do you now lead through that? How do you lead people out of that is a real challenge. You know, how do we get people back to a point where Jesus is the most important name, you know, and his kingdom is more important than, you know, you know, even, even, you know, things like wanting our country to be great. I, I mean, you know, we are distinct people, you know, we are, we're nomads, we're strangers, we're exiles on the earth, you know, and so I think that's a real challenge for a lot of us is how do we lead back to that? How do we, how do we help, you know, how do we help people who, who say that Jesus is their Lord and King? How do we, how do we help them? How do we help their lives really resemble that, you know? So, yeah, I, what, I, I love the way that you put that. Had it just been a health crisis, it would have been something entirely different, but yeah, you know, the way that I, the way that I have started to think about that is um, it just seems as if this is such a, an issue of spiritual formation that people have been discipled by cable news, Fox news. And, you know, I love the question that you asked there at the end there. And, and so just to try to flip that around back to you, is there a way that you are having seen that the importance, the place that politics has kind of shaped people. Mm. Is there a way that you look at that and you think, wow, this, this, this is changing the way that, that maybe we think about discipleship, maybe the, the way that, you know, we, you know, do discipleship since sure. people are being discipled. What, what are your thoughts on that? Gosh, I, I, I hope I'm not the only one who got their clock cleaned a little bit. Yeah. Got humbled a little bit and came away going, okay, we got work to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, um, I knew that there were people who were more driven, you know, politically than than I was, and um, more watched, you know, cable news more than I did. I had no idea, you mm. know, what what I, I could have never predicted what what I've seen, not just in our church. I mean, in in I mean across rural small towns, you know, and especially in America, you know. Um, and I, I, I think, um, I've wondered a lot of stuff like what, you know, you can't help but think what could I have done better? You know, I mean, um, did, you know, did I overswing the pendulum and trying not to talk about politics? Did I overswing the pendulum and not talk about like the, the, the nature of the, like the political nature of the gospel, which is we have a king and a kingdom and, and, you know, and what, what, what it means to like, see that as your primary citizenship. I mean, should I have done that more? I mean, you can't help but sort of think back, but yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, man, we're, we're really kind of going back to square one on, on our discipleship stuff. We're hmm. trying to think through, I man, how can we say this happened again? How could we help people be better prepared? Um, how do we help equip? That's all we can do is equip people. How can we, how could we better equip people to have um, a mindset where they they were um, 
more quickly able to discern, you know, where their heart may be wandering off, you know, away from Jesus toward another gospel. And um, we're actually preaching through Hebrews right now. And that was intentional because, you know, you've got this, you know, you've got this church that's um, divided and distracted and whatever. And, and, and the preacher holds out, he continually holds out Jesus again and again and again going, I mean, I, I think really as a, I mean, if he's so if he's, if he's like this, well, we surely can't act like that. I mean, mm-hmm. what is it like to live in light of how good he is? I mean, really it's holding up how good Jesus is. That's our strategy right now is we got to like put front and center every single opportunity. Here's how good Jesus is. And that's, you know, you don't have to just say sin is bad or that is bad. I think, but when you say how good Jesus is, he makes, he casts shade on everything. You know, mm-hmm. makes everything look pale, you know? And so, um, that, that's the strategy we're, we're we're after right now is just holding up Jesus as clearly as we can, knowing that that will, you know, that will mean, you know, everything else um, should be seen as lesser. And then in the background working on, okay, what are some discipleship strategies we can take in small groups or whatever that can help dig deeper wells in people. So they're more prepared for something like this the next time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good word. It's definitely been, revealing and causing us to really examine, you know, how are we forming, you know, helping people be formed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like a Katrina situation, you know, Mm. like everyone probably thought that was okay. Or most people didn't think about it. And then you didn't realize that kind of storm could happen. Wow. You know, I think that's the situation that a lot of us are in in small towns and rural places is that I think we probably took for granted a lot of things Mm. because we'd never seen a storm like we just saw, you know, and now you got to, you know, I mean, we get hit by hurricanes here. So, I mean, I kind of got that feeling, but, you know, I, I picked when I lost 34 trees in Florence, you know, one on our house and just, you know, um, and I mean, it was interesting. I was nervous to plant trees again. And when I planted trees, I did so much stupid research about what tree, like what trees wouldn't blow over in a hurricane. So I was trying, I just didn't want to repeat the situation, but it never crossed my mind that it was possible that, you know, that could happen. And, you know, I think we've all just lived through a storm and it's probably right to ask some questions like, okay, well, we get, we get to rebuild now. What should we do differently? You know, cause it could happen again. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that, and, and you mentioned just to, you know, go back to something that you referenced earlier. So you talked about online mm-hmm. and uh, everybody had to deal with that. Uh, small towns are not known as internet hotspots usually. Yep. And so everybody's talking about hybrid churches, online churches and rural areas. Right. May not even have stable online period. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so how, yeah. how, what, what are some dynamics here or maybe even the way that you guys are thinking um, as far as on, how we navigate that online space yeah. as rural churches with the challenges that we have? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I think live feed is a real, real challenge because of the internet stability stuff. Yeah. So that, that one, I think it's just interesting how so much of like what we hear about what churches should do is taken for granted that it's in like an urban or a large suburban area. That's what I mean, even like, yeah. even like, let's got, we got to break the 200 barrier. I mean, I've heard that a bunch. <laughs> well, man, if your Island ain't got 200 people, you ain't going to break that 200 barrier or, yeah. The average size church in America is 75. Well, if your town is 200 and you have 75, 
that is revival. Yeah, you're, 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 you're like Joel Osteen over there. Like you should be on the front of Outreach Magazine, you know? Um, but it's just, so it's just interesting how we take our cues from mm. from like that sort of broader, more urban or, or suburban culture. And I think we just have to be careful with that because how many how many of us are just living in this constant state of like, we're not good enough because we're not measuring up to us. A standard we could never, it's not possible, you know? Um, so that said, I think we have to reformat everything we hear and think about our, our own community. So what we're hearing is, hey, we've got to get creative because if you can't meet in person, you've got to still find a way to get the gospel to each other. So the, the real line is we got to get creative on how we how do we pastor people? How do we still, Acts 20, 28, um, pay careful attention to the flock of God among us? That's not something that's just like, oh, well, only when you can meet in person on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. Now that charge to like pay careful attention is a, um, I think is a, a charge um, for all times, for all seasons. So I think the challenge is, is that we, you know, we need to take is like, we've got to get creative. We got to think, we got to think about things you haven't thought of. And so, um, I mean, for us, we did the live stream thing, but it was hard and it was not that stable. And, and we've probably got it a lot better than a lot of other, certainly a lot of other areas around us. Um, and if we got a, any kind of a weather event, it wasn't happening like wind or whatever would just shut it all down. And so, um, we would pre-record them and that, that became what we did. We pre-recorded the sermons and it's, that's guaranteed. You could got time to post it and then they can download it and watch it, you know, from home. Um, I think if you're stuck in a situation where you got to go online, that is a far more, um, I think it's a far more feasible way to do it in small towns and rural places. And, um, but then again, I think there's the broader dynamic of, does it work at, does it really work at all as a long-term strategy? You know, because I think people had Zoom fatigue, you know, their kids were staring at a TV all day, you know, or a computer all day for school. And they might have been staring one all day for for work. I don't know. They want to stare at another one on Sunday morning. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I leave the church and I didn't want to look at it, you know. Um, so I think that's another kind of thing that we should we shouldn't just say. It, well, and we did the sermon online. So, so everyone watched it. So I'm sure it's just as good. So I'll tell you the other side of this, Mark, is I think we had to, we had to go and up our like calling people pastoring side of things like way higher than we ever have before. I mean, we basically told everybody on our staff, look, we don't have kids ministry right now. So you're going to start calling people in the church and praying for them. And mm. we had to like take that to a whole nother level. And I, I think, I think that is stuff that I, you know, if I was to do this again, um, we, we would be, we'd be leaning in more. We, I think more about that than even like the online video stuff. I think pre-record it, post it, that's my opinion, but how do we actually pay careful attention to the flock? How do we care for them? How do we not provide general oversight, but really shepherd them? Yeah, um, That's the question, you know, when you can't put your hands on them, we can't see them on a Sunday morning, you know? Yeah, man, that's a good word. That's a good word. How are you, uh, maybe for you guys or just people that you're coaching, how are you encouraging churches in small towns to uh, think about the future? Is there anything that to, yeah. hey, maybe we need to consider this, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think we've kind of gotten at some of it, you know, it's on the other side of a storm, you got to ask some questions. I mean, like you're counting bodies, you know? So I think that's the first part is figuring out where have people gone, you know, like, where are they at? Are they at another church? That's okay. Just yeah. be good to know where they're at. You know, I, I, I bet I'm not the only one on this, you know, you know, watching this who goes to bed at night wondering, well, I wonder where they are. I wonder where she is. I wonder where he is. I wonder if their marriage is okay. You know? So I think I'm, I'm encouraging guys to like start thinking this is now, I think a good moment to start trying to get an assessment of 
where are people at, you know? And then I think it's a, a chance to say, how are people doing? Cause their back is one thing, but I'm just telling you, there, there are some consequences for not being in Christian community for 14 months. Hmm. You just don't wander off for 14 months and everything be okay. I, I think, I think what we're going to find the pastoral weight, the, the amount of pastoral work we're going to find on the other side of this is going to be, I think it's going to supersede <laughs> the challenges of technology and all that we've gone through the last year. I think the toll it's taken on marriages, people who are borderline alcoholics are going to be full blown alcoholics. I mean, there's, there's going to be all kinds. I mean, kids who, who were being abused at home that nobody knew about what, you know, like they were going to school and having a safe place. Now they've been home. I mean, just, there's going to be trauma. And then just the trauma of living through all this, you know, and like, um, so I, I think it's, I think we've got some real shepherding work to do. And I would be encouraging, I'm encouraging guys to think about that. Where are the sheep? How are the sheep doing? Like that's our first and foremost, don't get caught up and we got to start a new site because we haven't really done anything. No, you've done, you've done everything you could do, but now you've got to like, you got to like figure out how these folks are doing. And so um, I think that that's my biggest charge right now to folks is, Hey, figure out where folks are at, figure out how they're doing, find ways to come alongside them. Um, and then beyond that, from like a sort of church engineering standpoint, like I said earlier, I think, I think we've got real discipleship work to do and we better, we better do some, we better do some thinking and some honest assessment and, and try to, try to like ask the Holy spirit to help us give us new and better ways um, to equip people um, mm. because, you know, COVID might be going away, but the kind of the political divisiveness is not. And um, we, we've got to find ways to pastor people through that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Donnie, it's been great to talk to you, man. I, I, one final question. What would you say to church pastors or, or just leaders? And like you said several times, they're tired. They've been through a lot and they're just discouraged. How would you encourage them today? Yeah, yeah I think um, I just want to encourage you to, to say by, by first saying that I know what that feels like. Um, and, and everybody watching this knows what that feels like. And I think it's real easy to go. Gosh, I bet I'm the only one who feels like that. You're not. You're not the only one who's thought like, what else could I do for a living? You're not the only person who's thought that. Like, you're not the only person who saw somebody cutting grass and thought, geez, I'd be better than this. You know, at least I'd be able to, you know, just go home at night and, you know, that was. I mean, you're not the only person who's fantasized about another job. You're definitely not the only person who's fantasized about what if I was in another place. Um, so I just want to identify with you in that. Want like just let you know, I feel like that. I feel those feelings and it's okay to feel all that. Um, and I want to encourage you to, to meet with Jesus. You know, um, I've been really struck by this, this moment where Jesus comes back from the dead and, um, you know, right away he goes and he gets his friends and he gets on a beach and he eats fish with them. And he didn't have to do that. Like they could have, he could have just had a meeting, sit down in rows, but he like sat and like met with them and fed them and engaged them. And, I think what we need most of all is we need to, we need to encounter Jesus afresh again, you know, more than we need to figure out how to fix all these problems. We need, like, we need to like us, we need to be meeting with Jesus. Like only Jesus can encourage our hearts and souls, um, you know, in a way that we really need. And so I, I would encourage you to first be doing that. And then I would say, I hope you've got some friends who are in ministry who aren't in your church, who you can, 
um, lean on and confide in and say, hey, pray for me. I've got a, a friend, Elliot Grudem, who who says, you know, that the, um, the gospel is, is a lot of times it's sweeter on a brother's lips than it is even my own heart. And I think what he's getting at there is really profound. It's that you and I, we know all the right answers. Like we can tell someone else the gospel, but man, when we really need to hear it, sometimes we just need to hear it from somebody else. There's something about someone speaking like the truth of like the grace of Jesus over us. And so I hope you've got some friends. If not, I think, you know, um, I'll be encouraging you to try to find a way with us to your network or denomination or um, whatever, but, you know, just getting some, some peers, you can just, you know, you know, be honest with how you're doing and how you're feeling and receive ministry for yourself. Um, and then I just want to encourage you to be patient. You know, this is not going to go away overnight. Some restrictions might lift overnight, but you know, we've got some work to do. Um, and, but Jesus is with us and we'll get through it, you know, and, and somehow some way, I think the church will be better for it. So. Hmm. Uh, well, Donnie, this has been, it's been great, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to do it. Hey, anybody that would want to connect with you online or anything like that, what's, uh, What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So um, I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and stuff too. But most of the small town stuff, I do um, Twitter. Um, and there's a website, smalltownjesus.com. Uh, I think it's getting relaunched this week. So we, we're redoing it. So um, uh, anyway, that that's there. It's got a bunch of videos and articles and whole tons of stuff. Just me trying to help you, know, you guys figure out. Um, ways to raise up leaders or deal with addiction or whatever, you know, in your, in your small towns. And then um, there'll be a couple of events on there. I, I do a couple of conferences a year on small town stuff. So you can check those out. There's one in, um, uh, in Missouri this year, and there's one in Oklahoma city. Um, I know of for sure. So those dates will be on there. If you want to, you know, meet me in person and yeah, come get encouraged and meet some other guys like yourself. That's great. That's great. Well, we'll put all the links to that in the show notes and uh, Donnie, thanks for coming on today. It's been great. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope today's interview with Donnie just really encouraged you, especially if you are serving in any way at all in a small town church, rural area. Uh, I just hope today's interview encouraged you. And like I said at the beginning, we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to hear from you. Look us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've got a YouTube page where you can go and watch our interview with Donnie. Uh, just go to YouTube search Churchology Podcast, you'll find it. If you've got a second, leave us a rating and review. Uh, ratings are awesome. Reviews are next level. And so if you've got a second, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back next Tuesday. we got a new interview with Doug Paul. We talk about kingdom innovation. Not only did he write the book, Ready or Not, uh, about kingdom innovation, but we talk about what does kingdom innovation look like right now in the world that we live in and so it's a great interview fun to talk to doug can't wait for you to hear it comes out next tuesday just like every tuesday brand new episode of the churchology podcast thanks for listening